If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I'm your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, at least ever since we changed our email, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show, or on YouTube as well for those that want to watch the program live or on demand. Good to be here. Thank you for for joining us today, I want to talk here off the top about the debate tonight, about the vice presidential debate tonight. This is something that um, has been, well, the way that this is being framed is quite interesting for starters. I look at a headline here in the USA Today. Vice presidential debate, Harris for the prosecution, Pence on the witness stand for Trump. Again, headline USA Today. This was uh, just posted a couple of hours ago. I'm going to read a bit of this, and we're going to talk about the vice presidential debate in general. I also wanted to get to Amy Coney Barrett as well. I'm going to get to the court's. Um, I'm going to give some examples about why the court matters and what it really means, what it really means, what the differences are between having a um, conservative, so-called conservative justice on the Supreme Court, a conservative judge versus a liberal or activist judge. But let's start here with the vice presidential debate tonight. Again, I'm looking at this story in the USA Today. Here's what it says. In the past, the vice presidential debate has been regarded as inconsequential, a largely performative event that had little bearing on the outcome of the presidential contest. In all honesty, this is written by Kurt Bardella, by the way, opinion columnist, USA Today. In all honesty, he continues, I can't recall one moment in any VP debate I've ever watched that still lingers in my mind, the debate between Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris could very well be the one that changes, uh, the one time that changes. I spent the bulk of my professional career working with and for Republicans until the events of 2016 recalibrated my political leanings, and I joined the Democrat Party. It's going to be Democratic Party. That's what it's actually called, but Democrat Party just seems to flow uh, so much so much easier. And, you know, the other thing is— uh, well, I don't want to get into that at the moment. I don't want to talk about the Democratic versus the Democrat Party 
uh, because I think there is a difference there. And they, I noticed that the Democrats get mad when you say Democrat Party because it is named Democratic Party. I guess my problem with that is is that they don't really want things to be democratic. They do if they can use it to manipulate people and get them to empower them more, which is why I think we should just focus on the name Democrat, which is the group of people in politics in D.C. that are seeking to grow the state with the help of the so-called moderates in the Republican Party or the country club Republicans or whatever you want to call them, those who are not conservatives and or libertarians. Anyway, this guy is now a Democrat. While my political bias is overwhelmingly for Harris, I still have that reflex in my brain that wants to game out a plan for a strategy for Pence. So this guy talks about a strategy for Pence throughout this. I don't want to get into the strategy so much. I want to get into really, we will talk about strategy, I guess, but really what's the point of this thing? What's the point of this? How is it different in 2020 versus how it is typically? Because he's right about this off the top, that this is not something that people normally pay much attention to. In fact, in fact, if you were to ask, you know, grab your, your microphone and run out and do a bunch of man-on-the-street um, interviews with random folks and said, who's the vice president of the United States, after having quite a few that said, what's a vice president, and even having some that say, what's the United States, that's probably 20% right there. That 20% of the people may respond like that. You'll hear a bunch of names of people who they think are vice president. I've heard people say Joe Biden's vice president currently. Um, obviously, you know that he's not. Um, but eventually, someone's going to stumble into the day Mike Pence. Of course, Mike Pence, a former congressman and governor from the great state of Indiana, is the vice president. People don't pay much attention. People pay attention now to Trump, and that's because of two reasons. One, the media has an insatiable desire to talk about, demonize, and try to destroy this guy. And the Democrat Party likes to do the same thing, the party of Democrats, those who um, – the politicians. I'm talking again about the politicians, not the rank and file. <clears throat> the rank and file have been either – um, hooked into voting Democrat for their, you know, the, the majority of the lies because they've been uh, they're, they're single issue voters, or or because they've been misled into believing that that constantly that the economics of capitalism and free markets are the, the deck is stacked against them. These folks are not. Uh, they haven't been taught about the beauty of what it means to really be free and the opportunities that truly exist when when risks are taken and so forth. But anyway, the Democrat Party, they seek to grow government, increase their own power. And so this is really ideologically what we're going to have on on display tonight. However, it's normally done – um, these debates are normally more, I don't know, inconspicuous. They're not as big of a deal. It matters this year because we have a Democrat running for vice, or excuse me, for president, Joe Biden. And he is, um, he's not in 
necessarily the best of a he, he's 78 years old 77 or 78 Oz may have to look that up um he's very he, he's clearly having problems in front of the camera at times quite a few times it's very these aren't slips of the tongue or gaffes there are complete and utter just meltdowns and shutdowns um in front of can in front of the camera and again i take no joy in saying this even though i do not want him to be our president but i do think that it is um it's 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 obvious and i think it's concerning and so that combined with the fact that at one point in time Biden said he was only going to run for a he was going to be a one-term president that was his goal now he's since changed his tune a little bit saying forget exactly what he said but something along the lines of why wouldn't I run again basically if I win in 2020 why wouldn't I not run in 2024 and to which I would say because that is uh, what you told us, but then again, you're a politician, uh, and you're constantly your job is to try to make us think something about you and your stance on issues that doesn't really matter what it is in reality. You just want us to think it, about it a certain way so that we would cast our vote for you, or if nothing else, to hate you less than we hate Donald Trump, so that we would cast our vote for you. Oz just held up a sign. Biden turns 78 next month. So he's 77, soon to be 78. Said he's going to be a one-term president. God forbid, should he be elected. And he is going to um, have Kamala Harris, who is, look, folks, we're dealing with a radical leftist. You know, it's interesting to me. I've said from Pretty much the beginning, Biden has run a virtual campaign. Biden is America's, America's first virtual candidate. There's nothing real about this. He can hide in his basement all day. He is, you know, he, he can not have to face tough questions from the media. I didn't watch this town hall or whatever they called this on NBC the other night, but from the sounds of things, this was basically <clears throat> just another just just another example of how the media and the Democrat Party collude with one another. That's right. They collude with one another to kind of uh, create this orchestrated event where Biden looks like Biden looks like he is. Uh, you know, dealing with undecided voters. It's since been discovered that a lot of these undecided voters, not just in this town hall meeting, but others, are Trump haters. Undecided voters, but they hate Trump. There's social media posts uh, about, you know, how much they hate Trump and would never vote for Trump, but yet they're positioned to the public, positioned to the public, positioned to you and me as though they're just simply regular people who can't decide between Biden and Trump when, of course, nothing is further from reality. Biden is running a virtual campaign. This campaign from the beginning has been about how much someone hates Trump. And according to this headline and this op-ed from the USA Today, from USA Today, again, the headline is, Vice Presidential Debate, Harris for the Prosecution, Pence on the Witness Stand for Trump. 
I've seen what uh, statements or rumors or leaks or whatever that says that Kamala Harris is going to be attacking not Pence tonight, but Trump. So Kamala Harris, to, to add to the layers of complexity to this campaign, Kamala Harris, and you can make the case, is actually running for president. Given the, the status of Biden, given what we've heard, I mean, heck, most Americans think that Biden won't even finish his first term. I think I saw that in polls, several polls. It's over half, which means that Kamala Harris would be president of the United States should Joe Biden. I'm not predicting this. I'm just saying that it is worth having this discussion given what we've seen from Biden, given what we know about um, what Biden said in the past about being a one-term president as well. Kamala Harris is effectively running against Trump, but she doesn't have to stand on that podium with Trump. Instead, she'll stand with Mike Pence, who by all accounts is a different individual to debate than President Trump. By the way, you will not see <laughs> you will not see uh, Mike Pence do the things. I know that this was off-putting to many people, uh, and understandably so. Don't mis- don't misunderstand me. But a lot of a lot of folks were off-put by the the interruptions and the the way that debate went down last week between Trump and Biden. This one will feel much different. But Kamala Harris. I hope you see a couple of things. I hope that the, the folks that vote on superficial reasons and rationale, I hope they see a couple of things. Number one, Kamala Harris is not the nicest, most likable politician uh, in the world. In fact, in fact, uh, she's, I think she's one of the more unlikable. I, I, I would venture to say one of the most unlikable politicians, and she can't hide it. So we're going to see how much she can... She can hide that tonight, how much anger and, and inward rage comes out. We're also going to be looking for how much the leftist ideology comes out. Biden's out there trying to tell people constantly he's not a socialist. In fact, he beat the socialists. He's trying to distance himself from the socialists, which basically means, which basically means he is counting on He's counting on getting that far-left vote. So I got more things to say about this debate. But again, it's a virtual campaign. Again, Kamala Harris, and for all intents and purposes, is running for president or, or choice two here should Biden not be able to complete his term, as many Americans think is a realistic possibility. So Kamala Harris is going to be campaigning tonight for president. That's why this one matters more than usual because normally – Vice presidential candidates are simply that. But in this particular campaign, Kamala Harris may very well end up being the person we vote for. Think about that as you watch this thing, if you watch this thing tonight. Think about, about that. This is our potential president not even having to go through the vetting process. You think about the the media coverage. What do we really know about Kamala Harris? Does the average American know about the radical leftist ideology, her history and past. How many people even know? How many people could even name who she is? Most people could say Biden picked a white, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me for that, black vice presidential, uh, presidential candidate to run with him as a running mate. But that's really all they could say. Of course, most people can't, many people can't name the current vice president. Anyway, this is a potential presidential candidate on stage tonight that's going to 
unfortunately be able to slip under the radar. Hopefully Pence can push back and position this correctly, make people understand the ideological shift that is on this Biden-Harris, or if you prefer the Harris-Biden ticket. That's what she calls it. That's actually what Joe calls it from time to time. So this presidential, vice presidential debate matters more than most because we have one candidate on the ticket who effectively may be very well running for president given the circumstances, the scenario, and what the Democrat candidate for president has said. So quick timeout is in order here. We'll come back and continue this conversation and get into other things as well. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, excuse me, Todd Huff back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Okay, so talking here about the vice presidential debate, which is slated to take place tonight. There was a fight over plexiglass, a fight over plexiglass between the two candidates tonight. Of course, in the COVID world that we live in, both sides have now agreed, as I understand, to some sort of a plexiglass divider, which, look, this is... (laughs) Uh, so COVID is real, COVID spread, no one wants to get this, no one wants to get, folks, I don't want to get any virus at all, COVID is still deadly for some folks, Um, it's not as deadly as it was, I'm not trying to minimize this, but it appears, based upon what we've seen, that infection rates are higher, but mortality rates at least here in Indiana, and I think I've seen this elsewhere as well. This is uh, they, they've they've trickled off again. Not minimizing it, not saying that we shouldn't try to prevent the spread, anything like that. I'm simply saying uh, it has it has mutated or evolved, or something has happened to where we're treating it better. We can recognize that we know what we're dealing with. I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of those factors. But anyway, it's a real thing. It's a real issue. I'm not downplaying it. Please don't misunderstand. But I also know, I also know that this uh, disease is a political prop. And Democrats want you to see them on stage with visual reminders. Visual reminders of what they would call Trump's virus. Trump, of course, would call it the China virus or whatever else. But the Democrats want you to see that. They want you to visually see physical changes on that stage. They want you to see, as Trump says, Biden wearing the biggest mask you've ever seen from 200 feet away. There could be 200 feet of separation between him and every other person, and Biden comes out in the biggest mask. This is what Trump said in the debate last week, the biggest mask he's ever seen. So this is um, this is as much about political posturing as it is about anything of legitimate concern. The vice president has tested negative repeatedly. So has his wife, Karen. Um, but of course, there is uh, the virus is hitting people close to Trump 
and his team, right? Trump and his team, not just people close to Trump, Trump himself, his wife, the first lady, Melania, uh, Kellyanne Conway. Um, I think we saw, I think I saw Stephen Miller has now gotten a positive test result. Kaylee McEnany, Hope Hicks. So, of course, they can. I'm not saying there shouldn't be concern, but this this is about this tonight is about political posturing. They want it to be constantly, even when they're not talking about COVID, they want you to think about COVID and they want you to think we wouldn't have to do these things if President Trump wasn't our leader. If Joe Biden was in there, a Harris Biden administration, whether Biden's president, vice president, whether he was just, you know, Working out on the on the White House facilities, doing pull ups and running forties across the front yard, none of this would have happened. His presence alone would have solved this. In addition to his promises to cure cancer, Alzheimer's, and diabetes, he's going to cure. He's going to stop COVID as well. Why not? Why not? Right? Why can't he do this? I mean, with the snap of his fingers. The radical left, Joe Biden, the Democrat Party can solve any problems if all you have to do is trust them. All you have to do is trust them, put them into power, give them all three seats of government, meaning, the, of course, the executive branch, the presidency, Congress, the White, or excuse me, the, the Senate and the House, and, of course, the Supreme Court, which they will now either load with more seats or they'll create additional states like D.C. and Puerto Rico. By the way, I saw the governor of Puerto Rico has endorsed Trump. I saw this. I, I don't follow that very closely so i was a little bit uh, surprised to to see that but anyway anyway we this is a a big deal it's a it's a bigger deal than usual because of what is at stake because of the candidate the democrats are running and so we have to make sure i would encourage you everyone to watch it tonight of course you know what's going on but more importantly for folks who don't know, to see what's going on. Because Kamala Harris, who's probably going to try to position herself as something she's not, as a, as a moderate, but Kamala Harris is a radical leftist, a radical California leftist who's been senator. You don't win, you don't become senator in California as some moderate Democrat. That is not at all what that state elects. That state elects radical unhinged leftist that state is the most insane radical it's words fail me to describe the stupidity that comes out of the state of california better yet the people's republic of california in fact that's why i refer to it as such just like the people's republic of china stupid big government promises utopian promises this is where whatever Whatever you can think of right now, where I say the stupidest thing you, you can think of, the stupidest law, the stupidest piece of legislation that's been passed, whatever that is in your mind, it's almost certainly originated or is embraced in the People's Republic of California. That's it. Whatever it is, whatever comes to mind, whatever uh, out-of-control gun legislation probably came from or is at least supported by people in and government in California. When you look at what's happening with 
forest management and these wildfires and the regulations that are put on utilities out there. Where are these blackouts? Where do blackouts take place, folks? Where do they take place? Where can utilities not operate and deliver power to their customers? Where is that? What state would that be predominantly in? Any guesses? That's right. It's the state of California. What state is on fire because it's Government refuses to do the basic things necessary to take care of the forest and to make sure they're not just setting some, again, utopian standard for the utilities to meet, whereby they have to invest solely in green renewable energy, leaving their current infrastructure completely ignored. Pieces of equipment on their utility lines that are as old as 100 years. 100-year-old equipment in many in some cases, it at least goes back to the 50s and 60s in most cases, and they wonder why. They wonder why fires are sparking up left and right. Plus, they don't, they don't do any controlled burns in their forests. They don't. They, they think nature should just take care of that. Well, nature is taking care of that with these wildfires when something sparks, when something arcs from old equipment in a California utility. And again, why is that why is it that way? It's that way because of liberal policymakers. And they are too numerous to count in the People's Republic of California. This is the state where Kamala Harris is from. This is the state that she is a senator. This is home base for her. She's not some blue dog Democrat. Where do sanctuary cities exist? Well, ask that question. Where do those exist? The great state of the People's Republic of California. We can go on and on and on down the line of issues. Radical, insane, nonsensical gibberish. Where is Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, from? California. Where is Maxine Waters from? California. Right? I mean, this is... Where Where is Adam Schiff from? California. This is who, when you look at Kamala Harris on that debate stage tonight, remember that. Remember that. She is an Adam Schiff Democrat. She is a Nancy Pelosi Democrat. She is a Maxine Waters Democrat. She's a radical leftist. She's running for president under the guise of being vice president. At least that's her, uh, what she's thinking. And that's, again, why she calls it, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it may be unintentional, but it's also completely intentional when you refer to it. You're, yourself as vice president, when you put your, <laughs> your name at the front of the ticket, can you imagine Pence tonight saying the Pence-Trump team? She calls it the... Harris Biden team. The Harris, she's called it the Harris administration before. What well, of course Joe Biden is president. Joe Biden is referred to it as the Harris Biden campaign, Harris Biden administration. Why? Because I'm telling you, there's conversations behind closed doors that they understand that this vice presidential candidate has the most predictable, you know, if you're looking at it. Not in hindsight, but from the moment that the selection was made forward, the odds are higher that Kamala Harris becomes president during these next four years than than Mike Pence. Anyway, I was telling me it's time to go. She's right. I've ignored it for too long. 
Got to take a break. Come back and continue our discussion here. I want to get into a couple of other things as well. But this vice presidential debate tonight is important. Encourage you to watch it. Encourage you to remind others to watch it because it could be the best example of really what's on the ticket here in actually now. Polls are open in most, I don't know, maybe even all. I don't know who doesn't uh, these early voting dates and if there's any states that don't do that. But we've got votes being cast all around the country now. But Election Day is a little bit under four weeks away now. So you're listening here to the home of conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. I also want to talk a little bit, in addition to the vice presidential debate tonight, I want to talk a little bit about the nomination process of Amy Coney Barrett, which is slated to begin next week. The Senate has now, by the way, Trump said enough trying to negotiate with Nancy Pelosi and her fake negotiations. We're going to no longer do that on this COVID relief stuff. We're going to focus. Uh, we're going to deal with that later on. Going to focus here on the confirmation process for Amy Coney Barrett. So, as you know, the president makes the nomination, which he has. The Senate then can confirm or uh, reject the nominee from becoming a member, filling a vacancy on the high court. <clears throat> and so and so, this is uh, where we are now. So the hearing is slated to begin on Monday. And as I think about this, this is critically important. In fact, you're going to see, uh, I don't know, hashtags and all sorts of campaigns on social media people talking about confirming Amy and this sort of thing um, but I want to talk about I want to talk about the really what's at stake here and in a nutshell and we'll talk about this in more detail throughout the remainder of this of this program but in a nutshell the difference between the difference between a quote-unquote conservative. I don't like, I really don't like using the word conservative when describing a justice. Conservative, in my mind, communicates what the ideology is. You know, we're conservative, not bitter here. So we are embracing conservative principles, conservative political principles, which can be rooted, which are rooted firmly in the Constitution and in our founding ideals and and what we've learned from human nature and what we've learned from societies and and governments throughout the history of this world and so conservatism as an ideology what you want what we want what we need on you know in from the perspective of what uh, what a judge is we we don't need someone of course I mean, politically, I think they should agree with conservatism. Why would they not? As I've been known to say on this program, the advertisers on this program do not necessarily agree with the things that are being said, though they should. 
And I would say the same thing about a judge, but that's not what a judge is there to do. A judge is not there to implement his or her ideology. A judge is there to interpret the Constitution and statutes that are written by Congress, in some cases that are written by the executive branch, which will, which is happening around um, states around this country, people just arbitrarily wanting to do away with things that, you know, voting laws because of COVID. That's what most of this fight about mail-in ballots is all predicated upon is, is uh, executive actions or bureaucratic actions taken by people that are running elections in states. They say, look, we're going to do away with all these requirements for absentee or mail-in ballots. We're going to ignore dates. We're going to extend the time frames that we can receive ballots and all that sort of stuff. And look, it's, um, it's, it's dangerous. That's not how this country is created to work, and nor is it the legal way it's supposed to work. If you want to change policy, you should be running for Congress. You should be a legislator, not a jurist, not a justice, not someone who is interpreting law. If you want to interpret law, you should be a judge. These things are not really that complicated. They're profound and, and beautifully orchestrated and, and woven together, but they're not complicated. Got to take a break. More on this. More on what's at stake with this nomination because if we get if, – if Amy Coney Barrett does not win and if Joe Biden – I pray this is not the case, but if Joe Biden becomes president and makes his own nomination and there's a you know Democrat Senate, this will be a much different conversation, much, much different conversation. Amy Coney Barrett needs to be confirmed. This needs to be done quickly and efficiently, and it can be done even before the election. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not better talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in, back in just a minute. You know, I've got an example here of what is really what is really at stake when we think about filling vacancies on on courts at whatever level, but ultimately at the Supreme Court. Ultimately at the Supreme Court. So there, of course, have been many rulings and. <laughs> lawsuits and all sorts of things happening um, as it pertains to as it pertains to election the 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 election and you know covid and what to do about making it easier for people to vote making it easier for people to vote um, in a covid world in a COVID world, and this is in the ape. Uh, no, I don't look at that. Hold on here. There's a couple, a couple of examples I was, I was looking for. But there's an example of of uh, basically rules being made up on the spot for people uh, to make it easier, quote unquote easier to vote in a COVID world. Now the thing is. I don't want people – I want it to be as easy as reasonably possible to vote, but I also don't want it to be so easy that it makes it 
more susceptible to fraud. I feel like any logical person who doesn't have a political axe to grind could could see that perspective. In, in fact, I would go as far to say they would embrace that perspective. If they're a partisan hack, if they want to use the system to steal votes, then that's why they would be against it. But it's perfectly reasonable, I would even say necessary, to say exactly what I said, which is we want it to be as relatively easy to vote as possible while also being as secure as possible. And if we make it – there's a point where you make it – you can make it too hard to where it's an unnecessary burden on people, absolutely. But you can also make it so easy – that it makes fraud completely possible and, in fact, unavoidable. I don't understand why any objective person would not come to grips with that. The problem is we're not dealing oftentimes with people who are being objective. So Supreme Court ruled in – well, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in a case in – I believe it was South Carolina. I'm having trouble finding the the article here. But they – the state just the, – the you know, unilaterally, the 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 election office took away the requirement. The state has a requirement. If you mail in a ballot, there has to be a witness that signs it that says, "Hey, this is really the person who completed this ballot." Now, the legislature just went through the process of making some changes, but they deliberately kept that portion of the law in place. The local. Uh, courts, I guess, through – I don't know if, how this – the whole process happened, but it ended up in the – in front of the uh, district court or whatever there. And they originally ruled that – well, there, I don't want to go through all the details. There was a three-judge panel, which is sometimes how this happens. They ruled that that, that they, they didn't have – they needed to keep the, uh, the the signature of a witness. Then the full court gathered and said, no, that needs to be taken away because of COVID. Then that got challenged and went up to the Supreme Court. Conservative justices look at what the law says, and they say, look, the law says that you have to have the signature. Now, they said that those that they received before a certain date that didn't have signatures during this period of uncertainty, they were still going to count. Now, a true conservative jurist like Samuel Alito, like Clarence Thomas, uh, like I think in many cases maybe even, well, there's there's one or two others, but those are the two that I would definitely throw in there. They all said that that shouldn't happen. I think Gorsuch was the third in this instance, that, that those ballots should be thrown out as well. Anyway, but that's the difference. Are you going to interpret the law or are you going to create it? Judges need to interpret it, not create it, and I've got to take a break. Be back to wrap up here in just a minute. All right, folks. Unfortunately, that is all of the time that we have today. I can understand how that must make you feel, but never fear. Never fear. We'll be back here tomorrow to talk about this debate that we're going to see tonight between Kamala Harris and Vice President Mike uh, Mike Pence. And of course, you can always go to our website and check out archives. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Apple, whatever the podcast store, whatever they call that. And Lots of way to listen, uh, ways to listen, toddhuffshow.com slash listen. Catch up on episodes you may have missed. Have a great day, SDGC tomorrow. Take care.